Hello, friends, and welcome to the Healthcare Beans podcast. I'm your host, James Haven. Today, I want to talk about issues involving your health data. So questions like, how is your data being used? Um, Who exactly is benefiting from your data? And the types of people and entities who can access your data. And of course, why why you should care at all about, about how your data is being used. Now, when it comes to health data sharing, the first thing you should understand, we should all understand, is that we actually do not have much control over our data. Um, So let's say when you have any sort of medical event, be it a basic checkup or emergency care or something else, there's a set of entities that have legal access to your data and all for the purposes of providing good care to you. And I know from a privacy perspective, that's not a very comforting thought, but for the most part, your data is being handled in a way that is aligned with your overall health interests. Now, there are folks out there who would disagree um, with my assessment and think that your health data is somehow being used to expose you or, or harm you in some way. But I wanna share my experiences working in healthcare data operations Um, also including my work with health data under federal and state programs. And after hearing about my experiences, I hope to alleviate some of your concerns on on data privacy and possibly persuade you on the benefits of sharing your health data because there are clear benefits to doing that. Now, once you receive any type of medical care, your diagnoses, the procedures and tests you went through, um, your demographic data, All of that can be accessed by several types of entities. And these entities include your your doctor, of course, naturally, your doctor's health network. uh, So that can be a small group of healthcare providers, or it could be a very large group of providers, maybe even thousands of providers in your state or region, depending on the size of that health network. Also your insurance company. So we refer to these groups as payers. Um, so they can access your data. So thinking about Medicare, Medicare Advantage, um, Medicaid, and also some technology companies that contract with your healthcare provider. And these companies, they provide data management services like EMRs, these are electronic medical records, or maybe they're doing some sort of number crunching analytics or whatnot, but they also have uh, full access to your data. And to be clear, when thinking about these different entities, This really means a lot of different people have access to your data. Now, when I was working as a data analyst, I had access to a lot of data. um, And that included people's names, addresses, their health conditions, uh, medical encounters and whatnot. Now, did I know personally any of these people? Um, Absolutely not, I, I did not know them. I do not recall these data, to be perfectly honest. Uh, And the reason um, that I do not recall anything that I had access to is that when analyzing these data, I almost always use some sort of alphanumeric IDs um, and not actually patient names. So I just want to give some insight of what it's like to work in healthcare data operations, at least from my experience. So if my task was to find people with diabetes uh, who visited the ER in the past six months, um, who have not had a wellness checkup in the past year, I would dig through that data, pull that list together, and it would be filled with IDs like patient NZ8211560, something like that. Um, And I would send that info off to folks on the care management team 
And so these are the nurses, um, doctors, social workers, and they would by and large uh, be the ones to connect those IDs uh, to actual patient names um, and interact with these, with these patients. So by and large, the people who actually witness your personal data, you know, name, gender, address, um, along with your medical data, these are the clinical folks you interact with. Um, now, that doesn't mean other people cannot access your personal information along with your medical conditions, um, but there's really no reason, and by reason I mean incentive, there's really no reason for people outside your care team to do this. Again, I'm not quoting hard and fast rules here. Um, I'm just sharing my experience uh, in healthcare data operations. So nobody digs through personal level data because you probably have to jump through some hoops to do that, which means getting actual names behind these obscure IDs. And there's just no reason to do it outside of improving care delivery to the patient. So I hope this gives some level of comfort to people who feel a bit guarded about their personal health data. Now, with that said, there are additional protections at both the state and federal level for data on certain conditions like substance use disorder. Um, and in these cases, medical encounters or, or diagnoses that show any type of drug use or alcohol use, you know, so things like opioid-related use, heroin, Oxycontin, cocaine, um, any of that sort of information cannot be easily shared between healthcare providers unless you and by you I mean patient, give explicit permission to do so. Now, there are many doctors and other public health folks who are not happy about this. And these folks believe that strict data privacy laws applied to substance use actually prevent local health systems from delivering good care to people who suffer with addiction. So I'm going to unpack this line of thinking. This question of data sharing is very impactful for the opioid epidemic. In order to deliver good care to people struggling with addiction, doctors must often coordinate with other doctors and other healthcare and social service providers. And this would be both inside and outside the local health system. So for example, let's say you have diabetes and you check in with your primary care doctor once in a while, not you know, super regularly, but you know, you're not completely absent either. Um, and you recently developed a drug habit or, you know, you've had a, a mild drug habit and it's accelerated in its use as of late. You haven't shared this information with anyone and you end up in the emergency room on the other side of town. This is the scenario. Now, under this scenario, it's totally possible and likely that your doctor will not find out about that event. Um, or not discover that this particular event was drug related. So unless you give permission for that information to be shared, that's the key. So with this risk profile, going back to the scenario, you know, a chronic illness like diabetes plus a growing drug habit that leads to emergency care, that profile um, would spur the health system and your doctor to intervene on your behalf and get you connected to the health services you need. Um, and so maybe that's counseling or an outpatient drug rehab program or something else. But due to strict data privacy laws, you can easily fall through the cracks and not be identified for a clinical intervention. Now let's zoom out and think about how this connects to value-based healthcare. 
So in the first episode of Healthcare Beans, I describe value-based healthcare and how doctors get financially penalized for delivering poor quality care. Now, if doctors have patients who are suffering from drug or alcohol addiction, and the data that identifies these patients um, is not easily seen or cannot be accessed, then the doctor and the health system is less able to intervene and support these patients. Overall, the health system will probably lose money on these patients. And that is a big reason why a lot of doctors are not happy with data privacy laws around substance use disorder. Okay, to recap these points, when thinking about how the patient benefits from sharing data on drug or alcohol use, you as the patient are positioning yourself for better healthcare when you elect to share your data. You're giving the local health system a better chance to identify you, um, organize the services you need, and to keep you healthy. And on the other side, the health system has a better opportunity to save money when you elect to share your data. Because bad care, and, and that's the type of care that drug users receive when their data is not visible, that bad care is really, really expensive care. So if you're struggling with addiction and the health system doesn't know that, you're way more likely to end up in the emergency room um, repeatedly and getting admitted for inpatient care. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, that costs a lot of money. So in terms of good health care, the interests of the patient and the health system are aligned, um, particularly on this issue of health data sharing. Now, I want to make one final point because I have heard of cases where people travel far away to get their medical care. Um, and the reason they do that is to get some level of anonymity. Um, if for any reason you're looking to keep certain aspects of your health status private, going to a different health system, perhaps in another state or, or somewhere far, farther away in your own state, this is not sufficient. Your health insurance carrier again, the payer, the insurance company, will have full access to that data. And they can share that data with a wide range of entities, as I described at the top of the episode. Now, if you travel to some far off health system and you use a fake name and address um, and you pay cash, then that should give you some level of anonymity, uh, probably, which is what you're looking for. All right, well, that wraps up today's episode please leave a comment and share your reactions or visit www.healthcarebeans.com to check out related content on my blog. I'm your host, James Haven. God bless.